Hi, I'm Elissa Nicole Trust, an actor and writer living in New York City. Hey, I'm Lauren Schaffel, an actress and producer also living in New York City. And, and we, we are Positive, Positive Creativity, Creativity Podcast. Positive Creativity is a podcast where we speak with writers, directors, and other artists about what they're working on, what's inspiring them, and how they stay positive in this industry. We are looking to shed light on all of the wonderful projects happening in New York and beyond. Our goal is to give creative artists a platform to talk about their work and to give theater and film lovers the opportunity to learn about more creatives and projects. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you with support from Ahava Theater Company. Jenny Rabbits is a New York-based casting director whose work includes the hit NBC series Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, and Chicago Med. Other work includes numerous plays, films, and musicals, her most recent favorite being the indie short Pretty People, which debuted at the 2020 Tribeca Film Festival and will finally be getting its pandemic-delayed in-person premiere this month. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so excited to speak with you today. I'm ready. It's going to be fun. So, Jenny, we always start with this larger question. Uh, what is currently inspiring you? And that can be anything and everything. I know it's a, a big question. Yeah, no, that's a good question. You know, I'm going to go with something sort of non-artistic. Um, I think that I've been really inspired by... Naomi Osaka um, and her decision to withdraw from the French Open uh, for her mental health. And I think that that on such a global scale, and she's such a well-known athlete, I think that's going to really help other people who need to take breaks for their mental health. Um, you know, even on smaller scales, whether it's, you know, an actor taking a break from auditioning or, um, you know, uh, taking um, a small hiatus or whatever it might be. I think that is a really, really wonderful trend to start because burnout is so common in any industry, but especially our industry. And it's hard to be creative. It's hard to feel like an artist when you feel burnt out, when you feel overwhelmed, when you're experiencing anxiety or depression. And so I was really inspired that she, you know, took control of her own narrative and made the best decision for herself. And she's going to be a better athlete as a result. She's going to be a better, better advocate. And um, I was, I just think, and then seeing the ripple effect of so many people talking about it, it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it makes me think about how there is, it's hard, it's really hard to do that, to take a step back, especially when you're like really in the public eye as like a, a celebrity, like she is, um, but how important that can be to just, and powerful that can be to just say, you know what? No, I need to not do that hustle for a while and just chill out. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and even just like looking back at the sort of stories of, of, of burnout or, you know, you look at the, 
you know, the Britney Spears documentary and the media labeling her crazy or she's lost it. And, you know, nobody gave this woman time to grieve or process. And, you know, there was so much pressure on her. And, you know, I think it will be a really, really powerful, wonderful thing if we start normalizing taking a break. We start normalizing, going, hey, I have to check out for a little bit because I need to prioritize me and my health, you know, whatever that might be. Totally. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that this time during COVID, people started to realize how unsustainable their lives were prior to this time. And as we are now coming out of the pandemic and life is returning to I guess really a new normal, a post-COVID normal, but I think a lot of people are trying to figure out how do they emerge back into the world that they knew and be grateful that things are open and they could see people and we could start doing the things that normal humans do, but also maintain some of that stillness of not having the constant, um, the grind and always having to be working. I think that is something that I've been hearing a lot of people talk about, a lot of artists talk about. And um, and the other thing that I was thinking about when you said that was it's so important to normalize taking a break because I feel like there is this idea that if you are somebody that's really successful, if you are the person that's getting to do the thing you love and get paid for it, that you should just be so, so, so grateful and never stop. And yes, <laughs> you should be grateful, but we we do need to really, really prioritize, like you said, taking a break, prioritizing our mental health and and talking about it. Just talking about it is such a big deal. So um, such a good answer to our question. Thank you. I mean, I just think that like, you know, I, I, I totally agree that the pandemic has made people reflect on on what matters and how they're going to re-enter normalcy, their jobs, whatever it might be. But I, you know, I think that one one thing that I think is so interesting about artists is that when you ask the question, how are you? They don't respond with, I'm good or I'm fine or I'm not doing well. They respond with uh, yeah, I'm just, I just booked this new show and I've been working on it. It's like, I didn't ask what you're up to. I asked <laughs> how you were. And so there's this like constant pressure to feel like you're always up to something, like you're always hustling, uh, like you're always working for the next thing. And I, right now it's the only time in our, in our, I you know, in our industry that you can ask the question, how are you? And the response can be, you know, I've been, I, I've been having a pretty quiet time. I've been home with my family or whatever it might be. And the answer isn't, I have been doing all these things that pad my resume. That, yeah, that's so funny. You say that I was, I was just listening to, um, I do the calm meditation app every morning and the, the prompt that they talked about today was actually just that, the, the response to the question, how are you? And like vul- showing vulnerability when you're asked that question, rather than the auto response of like, I'm good, I'm great. 
And like, here's all the great things that are happening. But really like taking a pause when you're asked, how are you to think about, huh, how am I really? And like being open and honest and real with people. I think that's a reality of our industry too, that sometimes, yeah, artists especially feel this need to always like prove like, oh yeah, I'm being productive or yeah, I've booked work, I'm successful, whatever that word means yes. in some way. But yeah, wouldn't it be nice if coming out of this pandemic, we could just be more real and vulnerable and just be like, no, you know what? Like today was actually a pretty rough day or I'm feeling isolated for whatever reason. I love, I would love if there was more honesty and and really answering that question across the board in all aspects of the industry. Yeah. I mean, because what we started to, because if the answers are fine, good, and great, what we've started to figure out for ourselves is that when someone says they're fine, it usually means they're not doing well. And when someone says they're good, it usually means they're fine. And when someone says they're great, it means they're good. So you know, we've, we've had to put on this sort of mask of we're all doing great. And it'd be nice just to sort of, you know, check in with ourselves and check in with each other in a more, you know, honest and vulnerable way. Yeah, definitely. Of course, you gave an example that wasn't related to the arts. And then it was so <laughs> relevant to the arts. And we just <laughs> uh, Everything comes back to us as artists, so. (laughs) For real. real. Speaking of artists, uh, so we'd love to hear your story of how you became a casting director with Jonathan Strauss Casting and what what really led you on on this path? Sure. Um, You know, I, so I grew up a theater kid. I did dance and, and acting classes and all sorts of stuff. I loved it so much. And I had sort of a series of injuries. And now I, I know now that that was probably the beginnings of my spondyloarthritis. But I also was in a car accident. And I had so bouncing back from all of that was really challenging. I was having a hard time dancing and uh, was in a lot of pain. And I started working behind the table. I started stage managing and I was good at it, but I just didn't feel like it connected to um, like a creative calling for me. And, uh, but I knew that the skills that I learned there would be applicable for another job. And it was really the first time that I ever even thought about oh, there's other jobs besides, you know, being on stage or whatever it might be. And I'm 16, 17 years old. Um, So I I went to school. I went to Shenandoah Conservatory. I went to school for musical theater, but I told them from the very beginning, you know, my goal is to not be on stage. I want to do something else. I just don't know what it is I want to do. So whether that was going to be a director or a producer um, or an agent or, and then as I found out a casting director and really what it was, was I started assistant directing, which I loved and I loved the casting process. I was like, this is the best part about this whole thing. Like, it's so fun. It's really fun to explore an artist's 
uh, and what they are able to achieve in the audition room and what they're able to tap into emotionally. And I really found that that was something that I connected to and I felt like I was good at. And when casting directors would come and do workshops at school, I would just go up to them and I'd say, how do I do this? How do I get into this? What do I need to start doing now to become a casting director in the future? And I moved to New York the day after I graduated college and um, I packed all night, like 6 a.m. I was up packing my stuff in a, a van and drove it up to New York City and started living here. And I, I got into casting pretty much right away within the first month that I was here. And I, I was open to the idea that like, oh, you know, casting might not be what I, what I end up doing, but I was most interested in that. And I got an internship in casting and I started, you know, really, really falling in love with it and, and expressing to the, the, the casting directors I was working for, I want to do this. Like, I think this could be a career for me. And so they really did a great job at sort of taking me under their wing and really teaching me what it is to be a casting director, craft of casting. And then that led to a job. Um, I worked at Cindy Tolan's casting office. Cindy's amazing. Um, Adam Caldwell, who's now at Telsey, um, uh, he was at Cindy Tolan's at the time. And they're just, they were both so incredible. And they really pressed into me. This is craft. And this is how you do this. Um, and then Cindy um, called Jonathan Strauss and got me my job there. So, uh, and I've been there now for eight, over eight years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're, you've, at your time at Jonathan Strauss, you've also grown through that process too, right? Yeah. I, so I actually started there as a casting assistant. Um, I got my, my job there was only supposed to be six weeks long. And, uh, I, I signed up to do a pilot and I, it was six weeks and that's it. And then they bumped it to eight weeks. And then he said, would you come back after hiatus? Um, cause we take a hiatus every year. The show shuts down for a little while and everyone gets a little summer break. Um, he said, would you come back after hiatus and, and be an associate with my office? And uh, I said, yeah, heck yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, so I came back, I, I started as an, as an associate there. And um, within about two years, um, they promoted me to casting director. And so it was, a, it was a fast, fun rise. But the really nice thing was I... I love having responsibility, but I think that I felt really honored that people recognized my passion for this and um, my skill for this. And that meant a lot to me. And yeah, so I've been casting director on the three Chicago shows and I worked on the um, original FBI pilot. I'm working on another FBI pilot right now. And um, it's been a lot of fun. That's wow. Yeah, that's so cool. It's the thing that I love the most about this podcast is hearing people speak about what they're passionate about. Hmm. You are so like the word that's coming to mind is vibrant. Like hearing you speak about 
casting and your job. It's so interesting and wonderful and just great to hear. And I mean, I would love to hear what is your favorite part about the casting process? So my favorite part about the casting process, I definitely like to be in the room with actors. What's interesting, though, is it's also the most stressful because when you are in the room with actors, you are away from your desk. So that means you come back to a ton of emails, a ton of missed phone calls. And so you have to put a lot of things on pause and really turn your brain off as to the sort of extra stuff on casting. Because I think a lot of people you know, think that casting is just finding the actor and shoving them in a job. And it's so much more than that. You know, um, on, on television and in film, we negotiate the actor's contract. Uh, you know, we are in co- um, conversation with production to, you know, help smooth out your travel, to help um, make sure that you're getting to your uh, wardrobe fitting. We're making sure that you're getting your I-9 paperwork filled out, whatever it might be. So there's this sort of... Um, um, cl- almost clerical side of casting that never really stops. And then, of course, you have agents and managers calling and pushing their actors to, to you. And uh, so that's all going on while you're in auditions. Uh, so you have to turn that off and focus on the actor in front of you, what you need to bring to them to get uh, get the best performance out of them. So I love that. I like connecting with actors. I like exploring what they can do in the room. And I like to get to know actors as people, that you're not just the actor in front of me. I like to learn things about your personal life. You know, I'm, you know, I like to see pictures of your babies when you come. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think that that, one, makes you a better actor when you have a full rich life outside of your art but I think that makes me a better casting director when I learn something about you that I can help you know I utilize in storytelling you know whether that's you know finding out that you know you um have a um you know you are the uh parent of a um deaf child and that you are learning to speak sign language. All of that stuff is is so important and it really brings out the richness of who you are. And um, it can help tell more vibrant stories on camera, on, on stage, whatever I'm casting at the time. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's so beautifully said. And like something that you mentioned, the craft of casting. Like, I think a lot of times the craft of casting is not really talked about. Or like you said, it's just kind of like pigeonholed into like, all right, casting director is person who, you know, brings in actors for parts. And that's, but nobody really talks about what goes on inside of a casting session, what goes on between a casting director and artist in the room. And everything you're talking about is just so so inspiring. It's really nice to hear how you do take the time to get to know actors. And it kind of reminds me of what we were talking about earlier. The question of like, how are you goes beyond just, I'm good. Here's the, you know, co-star guest star I booked on whatever blue bloods. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, it's so, it's so nice to know. Yeah. That, that there is the time that you as a casting director take the time to really check in with people and, and the moment, even within the busyness of the casting 
world. Like there is time to kind of say, okay, like what's been going on? Oh, cool. You had a baby. Cool. Like you went to a music festival. That's awesome. Who knows? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. even just you see actors over the years and you see them change and grow and even just someone coming and they have a different haircut. I'm like, oh, I love your hair. When did you do that? You know, it's like you get to know these these people, and um, and it's it's sort of a strange periphery of of a relationship. You know, it's very specific to you know this room that you're in together, this audition room with the camera, and it often does not go outside of that room. But I think that there can be a lot of vulnerability shared and uh, a lot of And I think that you have to have a lot of compassion for each other. I think that the actor has to respect the casting director and the casting director has to respect an actor. And I I personally believe that if that compassion, that respect isn't there, then we're not doing our jobs right, either of us, be it the actor or the casting director. Yeah. Sorry, if you hear the sirens of New York City. Yep, New York, New York, Snapchat right here. Yep. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like every episode, no worries yeah. at all. Um, yeah, and what you're talking about just brings this humanity to this process that can just be really challenging and feels sort of inhumane. And we're all just people, and we're all just trying to get the job done or get the job. And I think that there's this. Like at least earlier in my career, like, you know, actors fear casting directors. They're the ones that can give them the job. And it's just, that's so not it. That's just so not how it works. It's, they're so, it's so nuanced. And um, I love, I love everything you said about having compassion for each other, like you having compassion for actors and all the work that they did and all the vulnerability that they're bringing and also actors having compassion for you and the process and the decision making and how it is that you function and and just again human to human interaction um I think that's that's so cool that's so cool to hear and I hope that it's inspiring for any younger listeners that we might have I posted um, like a a baby picture of mine on my Instagram. And I said, if you're ever nervous about coming in for me, I just want you to look at this baby picture and picture this is the person you're going in for. Because I think so, so much like actors really build up casting directors in their heads as gatekeepers. And I really, I resent that word. I really do because I don't consider myself a gatekeeper. I don't think that I am the person that um, can stop you from getting a role. I think that I am the person that can help you get the role. And, uh, and I mean that in a way that I'm the one that talks to the director when he says, I didn't see, you know, let's say, for example, we, um, you come in for an initial audition, and you're working just with me, and you really just knock it out of the park. And then you come in and it's a producer session and it's higher pressure for you. And maybe your train was running late and there's a million people in the room and you just don't connect to the role the same way that you did in the room with me. And the director says, well, I just don't think that they had, they were as strong today. You know, I liked their original tape better. We're the ones that go, no, 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 no. There were so many other factors. They can do it. They're going to rise to the occasion on 
the day of shooting. Like, it's all going to be fine. We know what this actor can do. My colleagues joke, I two casting director friends that um, they jokingly uh, just coined it as BCE, big cheerleader energy, um, which is um, kind of me at times. Like I really want to like build people up. I want to make people look great. And so when I show your audition, I want it to be as strong as I know it can be. Because I, there are moments, of course, where I have to go, no, 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 it's here's what they can do, here's what they can do, or here's who they are. You know, sometimes they'll say something like, oh, I just didn't see your toughness. And I go, oh, you, you know nothing about toughness. Let me tell you about this stuff that we've done in the room before. Let me tell you about something that, you know, um, she, she does personally that shows she's really tough, whatever it might be. Um, you know, that is, to me, that's not gatekeeping. You know, that's, that's being your advocate. And um, so I get a little resentful of the word gatekeeping because I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's me. That's not how I approach casting. And that's not how many of my colleagues approach it either. Yes. Yeah. I, I love everything you're saying. It's like, you're not a gatekeeper. You're an opportunity giver. <laughs> it's a not very, oh, yeah. well <laughs> not very well said, but I think it's so important for actors to realize and really any artist to realize how many people are their advocate and that it's the long game, right? So like, it's not always about that one job or that one booking. It's about the relationship. It's about what's going to happen when you go in for you two months from now and you knocked it out of the park, but you didn't end up booking that thing. Like we, we just have to remember that there are so many people that are on your side. Um, and I hope that that's comforting to people who feel sometimes disheartened by the toughness of being an actor and being an artist in general. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to hold on to big cheerleader energy. Yes. I <laughs> I'm so tickled by that. I love that so, so much. Thank um, you. Yay. <laughs> I think, yeah, I um, it makes me think about something else uh, we wanted to ask too, but like this big cheerleader energy, I think is going to be needed more than ever as, as things are starting to go a little bit more back to normal and we're coming out of the pandemic, like what it's going to be like to be maybe in rooms again with actors um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that and maybe some thoughts on like how how the casting process might be changed maybe permanently as we as we kind of navigate coming out of the the pandemic. Well, I think that, you know, from the beginning of the pandemic to now, the self-tape quality has gotten so much better. Actors are figuring it out and that's really helpful. Um, you know, one thing that I think has been a really nice positive of how this, how, how casting has changed is because we're not seeing actors directly in the room, we can see so many more people. Mm-hmm. And that has been really amazing. And, you know, I think before, and really a- any casting director will say that when you're calling people in for a role, you have to do sort of a combination, or this is how I approach it at least. I do a combination of some actors that I know and I've met before who I feel really confident will come in and nail it, um, who I've yet to cast. And then I I bring in um, a sort of like a wash of new people as well. 
And I do that because when you meet an actor for the first time, you're finding out who they are. And so sometimes it's not that role. And so they might leave and I say, oh, you know, don't see for this, but see for X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, something about their energy that spoke to something else. And you know, so what can happen if you just see totally new people is that every single one of those people isn't quite right for the role. Um, so there's a combination of, of two things that have to, you know, you have to bring in some people that you are, you know, are going to come in and really kill it. And then new people as well, because you always want to be seeing new people. Um, and the, and casting during this pandemic has just allowed us to see so many self tapes. I mean, I can, for a guest star role that I might have seen 20 people for, I can now see 50 people for. And that's amazing. And it gives so many people many opportunities. Uh, but, um, you know, it's just, it's the work is more manageable for us. That being said, I don't think that losing the in-person audition, I don't think that's ever going to go away because of that relationship that develops in the room. And I also think that how I approach casting is I will adjust you in the room. I really will work with you. I, you know, we'll talk about tone. We'll talk about, um, uh, arcing the scene, we'll talk about emotion, you know, whatever it might be that we need to capture in the scene, we discuss. We don't get to do that with self-tape. And when I call you up, it feels like, oh, I, I did it three hours ago, or I did it 24 hours ago. You feel removed from it. So I think that there will be in-person auditioning coming back. That being said, I am cautious and I want to, if there are any actors that feel cautious as well, like sort of remind them that there are people who feel this way too. I think that there can be, there could be a problem with coming back too early. Mm -hmm. And I think that just in terms of, uh, if you're coming into my office, I want to make sure that you are safe. So that means sitting in the lobby, I would, you know, you, I, if you're coming in for me, you need to make sure that the person that you're sitting in the lobby, you know, you wouldn't be at risk of giving them COVID, them giving you COVID, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and I want to make sure that when you are in the room that I am one protecting my staff. So, you know, whoever might be reading with you, my assistant, you know, anyone who greets you at the front door. Um, you know, if you go and use the bathroom, I want to make sure that that is safe. And then, of course, what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to take off your mask. And there you we will need to make sure that that is safe. And so I am hopeful in the same way at the start of the pandemic that all of our unions came together. SAG after came together with the Teamsters and with PGA and DGA and really went, how do we do this? How do we get back to filmmaking in a safe way that that is also, you know, that they go back and really think about it because there's people are still getting COVID. There are yeah. still people who are not vaccinated. And so I think that we need to make sure that safety is paramount. And even if you are, you know, vaccinated, you might not be fully protected. I want to be cognizant of the fact that vaccines are to cure all for everybody, for the elderly, for the disabled. And you might also live with someone who, um, who might be at, um, uh, a, a, a community that is at high, is, is high risk. And I, I think that we 
need to not just sort of come smashing in like everything's okay. And if there is if there is an actor out there that is hesitant, that is getting a phone call to come back in the room and you're feeling as, you know, hey, I live with someone who is getting chemotherapy and their system is being wiped out and they don't have any antibodies. I want you to choose their safety. I want you to say, hey, I'll do a self tape and then I'll figure it out. I'll go live with a friend when I, you know, actually, you know, work on the day for the week and, you know, make sure it's safe to go back to my loved one. I want you to choose that. Um, And I I hope that people are not going to be, you know, angry if someone can't come in the room or whatever it might be. Just want to be, I want to be, I want to be smart about all of those things. Yeah. I was very passionate. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. It's really great. Yeah. It, it's so admirable to, to think how, to hear how you're thinking through all of the, the precautions. Cause it's not just about, you know, the audition itself. Yeah. It's affecting everybody else in the waiting room. I even think about yeah, the bathroom, the hallway, all of that, your safety, your assistant safety, everybody. Um, And like the audition, as we were talking about before, like already there's nerves and other things that can be at play um, for an artist. But then on top of that, the concerns and anxiety over safety, it just, yeah, it really doesn't create a very level kind of playing field in terms of auditioning or, you know, vying for for a job. That is something we've talked about on this podcast before um, that I found actually pretty kind of a relief during this time is like doing self tapes or doing a zoom audition. And Matt has talked about Matt Newton has talked about this a lot in his classes. Like there's something really freeing actually about being able to feel comfortable in your own space when you're auditioning from home, when you're like, yeah, this is my living room, my chair, my desk. Like I get to be in a place I feel comfortable and talk to another human being across the screen it's not at all a natural situation, but at least it kind of like makes everybody feel more safe and comfortable and grounded. So yeah. 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 And, 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 and as well, like so many actors left the main hubs, you know, moved out of New York city, moved out of LA due to financial constraints, due to, um, you know, maybe fear of being in a, densely populated urban area. And I don't want to punish anybody for not being able to physically be in the room with me. You know, if you went to Boston and you can come back and crash on your friend's couch and be a New York local hire and you're home with your family, I think that's great. And I want you to do what's comfortable for you. And if we need to, if I need to call you up on your cell phone and give you some adjustments or hop on a Zoom and chat through things, then that's what we'll do. I don't think that we need to, you know, someone actually sent me um, a message on Instagram saying like, even just asking everyone to come to an initial audition in person is such a strain on the environment. And I had never thought about that before. I was like, yeah, what an interesting thing, asking hundreds and hundreds of people to come in, you know, via train or car or however they're getting there. I'm like, yeah, it kind of is like doing it. And also that we print a ton of paper for auditions, you know, headshots being physical copies of headshots. Like, yeah, why not? Like, let's, let's give our earth a break. Sure. I like that positive thought as well. Oh, I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for saying all of this. This is such an important conversation to have for so many different reasons. I definitely appreciate this because as the world starts to open up, I'm feeling very anxious because I'm still not ready to do certain things. And like, I don't know that I would feel totally comfortable going to an in-person audition right now, maybe two months from now, maybe three months from now. But um, it's really great to hear that you are taking this approach that you, you know, that you're not like, oh, yeah, no, you know, people are getting vaccinated. So most actors are vaccinated. So let's let's go back in person because, you know, human connection so much better. Everything's better in person um, that there are just so many nuances to it. And um, yeah, that that really um, honestly calms my own anxieties about my personal situation about like, not wanting to take the subway all the time and not wanting to be in crowded rooms and, um, and also just like the accessibility factor. Like you said, there are people who had to move out of the major hubs for financial reasons or for personal reasons, or who just realized, you know, I don't love being in a city, so I don't want to be here. I would like more space. You know, there's so many, so many different reasons. So, um, and it, it shouldn't mean that people should be punished or uh, not able to be a part of the industry that they want to be a part of when we do have all of these technologies that can allow people to connect. So um, I'm so glad this came up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something else I wanted to comment on too, you mentioned like Zooming with people or calling people maybe to like after a self tape or after an audition, I, I've never heard anybody who's oh, yeah. who's done that before. Is that something you've always done, or during the pandemic has it become more? Of a I've thing? done it way more during the pandemic, but I I have very often, especially like when we're not in the same city, I have very frequently said. I, I will usually put notes in writing. So it, let's say you send in a self-tape and I want to adjust something. I'll put notes in an email and then I will offer the um, actor to call directly and um, it and talk it through on the phone if they'd like. And I'd say, you know, it's about half and half. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, but if you call, I mean, we're going to do, like, we're going to really chat it through. We're going to do a work session. But I mean, I was walking my dog in the park the other day and an actor I had given an actor my cell phone number to call and talk through beats of a scene. And we talked for about 30 minutes and he retaped and sent it back to me. Um, I think that's, I think that sometimes just hearing it can make you go, aha. And I will even note that while watching cell tapes, I'll say, you know, in the room would get it. Like the bones are there, but maybe we're just missing something that I would have been able to tailor tinker in the room. Sometimes it's tone, you know, sometimes it's just figuring out where that emotional peak is. And when I talk to you on the phone, we get that sort of organic, um, you know, that actor casting director respect. And uh, we, I almost always the retape is stronger just because we've been able to connect and and smooth some things out. So yeah, that's something I I do. And I I zoomed with an actor before a big callback recently. We had a private work session. That is a very much a callback to what I learned from Cindy Tolan. Huh. She was like, your you know your job is to is to make the actor 
their look their best. And sometimes that is pulling them aside and saying, you know, and never telling the director or the producer that you had a private conversation. And it's look what the actor did all by themselves. And uh, I remember when I was working on a on a Broadway show with Cindy and Adam. Uh, there was an actor who was really, really strong and they, uh, the producers were sort of on the fence and we were like, no, he's excellent. Like, you know, he's, he's new and, you know, he doesn't have any credits on his resume and that's probably what, you know, maybe the fear is, but like, he's really strong. He's, he's going to be, um, a big talent. And Adam said to me, you know what? pull him aside after the audition and sit, ask him to come in for a work session, a private work session with us. And this guy came in and did the work session. And when he came in for the final callback, the producers went absolutely nuts over him. And one thing that I love about like a Broadway show is like at the very end, you know, the, and, and even in television and film, sometimes, you know, you put headshots on the floor and you make your cast and, uh, that was the first headshot put on the floor and they put in, they literally started building the cast around his face. And I remember just feeling like, wow, that all that guy needed was a bit of a confidence boost coming in and saying, you got this, you got this, you got this. But even just tweaking little small things, asking him to pull out the humor here, asking him to, you know, adjust something vocally here. And, and he booked it. And that, is truly a testament to who they are, but that's something I've developed as, as part of my own casting philosophy. Sometimes it is just pulling the actor aside and saying, Hey, watch this, or do you do this? And, you know, and there, you know, screen tests, you know, I try to be, if we, there's ever a screen test, I try to be there for that because when you're walking back to your dressing room, you know, and I go, Hey, don't shift your feet. They're talking about you shifting their feet and you go, oh, oh my God. Okay. Yes. I will shift my feet. <laughs> you know, I can't, sometimes you're just not aware of what's going on. Like there's not a camera in your head to, you know, play it back and go, oh yeah, I did all that during that audition. <laughs> wow. Yes. I'm, I'm, is- a, I'm a caller. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Cause we all have habits that we do. It's just, yeah. Even in life we do things. We're like, oh, we do. Huh. But no, yeah. that is, that is so Amazing. I think that this generosity of spirit is what I'm really hearing that's coming out of this. Like, it's just really wonderful. And I think also feeds into, like, I feel like when we make this episode, I'm going to like, this will be like the headline in my brain is the craft of casting. This really, this generosity of spirit is really part of what I think makes your art of casting so unique and so wonderful. Um, it's really nice as an actor to feel like you have an advocate, somebody in your corner who's who's there for you at a time when it can feel maybe like the stakes are so huge and so high. So, wow. Kudos to you. That's yeah, really it can, it can certainly feel that way that the stakes are huge. You're like, oh, this job would change my life or this job would pay my rent or whatever it might be. And that, I think, is something that I will never experience. You know, there might be jobs that I want to get and are excited about, but I do not have the experience of just going on job interviews every day because that's, you know, essentially what it boils down to in, in the audition room. And I think that if an actor is generous enough to share their work with me, then that's what I have to do in return. 
I have to share my work with them. Yeah. Wow. I am really floored that that is something you are doing with actors. It is so incredibly generous of your time and your talent as a casting professional to take that extra care to share your feedback in such an individualized way. It's such an incredible gift. And it also makes me think about how important it is to approach this work with a growth mindset and that one of the superpowers of casting professionals is getting to recognize the potential in every actor and every take, every audition, and really pinpoint what it is that the actor needs to make it work. Or if it's already working, what will make it go from good to great or great to extraordinary? That's really, really special. Um, so I'm conscious of time. So, um, But I, I do want to shift gears just a little bit. We had spoken offline about your experience with arthritis and how open you are to speaking about it, which we really appreciate. Um, so can you please share your story with our listeners and why you're so passionate about speaking about it? Sure. So thank you for asking about it, by the way. Um, so I have um, spondyloarthritis. And it is an autoimmune disease. And so basically it means that your body sort of attacks itself. That is sort of the, the root of what an autoimmune disease is. I have, had, um, I have had issues with my leg and back uh, since I was a teenager. And it took me a really long time to get diagnosed. I was originally misdiagnosed with a um, neurological issue. And uh, then I started having uh, inflammation in my eyes and losing my eyesight. And that was a really tough thing to go through as casting director because being able to see what's going on was everything. And it was coming on fast and hard. And I would be in the middle of, you know, casting a series regular for one of the Chicago shows. And then I couldn't physically see out my right eye. And uh, I'm so happy to say that, you know, with medication that has been um, so much more under control. But I think that sharing my experience with spondyloarthritis has, I think, opened myself up, um, sort of my humanity up to actors. And there are people who have autoimmune diseases who have reached out to me, who have asked me for advice, um, who have said, you know, I appreciate you talking about this because it makes me feel less alone. And I, I think even if I can have one person say that to me, then it's enough for me. But I actually spoke to um, casting director Marcy Phillips about um, sort of my diagnosis and all of this going on. Because one thing that over the last several, three years now, uh, my arthritis has affected my mobility. I have um, had to walk with a cane. And actors who knew me would come into the audition room and say, what happened? And it was... So originally I had fallen off off of a bus, which was sort of what I, I thought I had an injury. And it's like, oh, I trip off a bus and like, you know, I, something's going on there and they're trying to figure it out. And then 
I couldn't get rid of the cane. I wasn't healing. And actors were still coming in. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? It was so kind of them to ask. But then I started to realize I felt like that became their audition was them talking about me with my cane, me with, um, you know, I, they had me wear a brace on my leg to control swelling for a while. And I was like, I started to get embarrassed. And so I started tucking my cane behind my chair so you couldn't even see it. I used to, sorry, there's a siren. More and more New York escape. Um, I, I, one thing that was really important to me was I liked to greet the actor in the lobby. And I liked to go out and say, hi, how are you? And say your name and introduce myself before you walked in the room. I was kind of no longer able to do that. The walking back and forth was really challenging. And then also it started a conversation about my cane or about whatever I was, I was using at the time. And so I started to feel shame about it. I started to feel embarrassed about it. And I realized that two things. I realized that one, this is a part of me. It's not going away. There's going to be times that I am great and I don't need to walk with a cane. There are times that I am going to need to walk with a cane. That's just who I am. But two, I think that I am out there asking actors to be their most vulnerable with me in the room, that not returning that was a falsehood. I also think that when I am asking people from marginalized communities to come in, particularly people who are disabled and may use a mobility aid, may use a wheelchair, whatever they might use, it seems it really seems judgmental and close-minded to judge my own use of those things and then say, yeah, 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 come in, no problem. I'm not judging the use of yours. So that was sort of conquering my own internalized ableism and still working on it for sure. But I started to, so I I spoke to Marcy Phillips's throwback here and she, um, she is, has a disability and she said to me, you have to own it. You have to say, this is a part of me. This is who I am. And not to shy away from it, not lie about it, not sort of change the narrative around it. She said, and you can say, there are times when I'll use this. There are times when I will not. There are times when I'll be feeling great. There are times when I might not be able to see. And that that sort of taking that in my own, putting that in my own words, putting that in my own power has been really important for me. I think that that is what actors need to do as well. I think that if, especially if you have a chronic illness, especially if you have a disability, whatever it might be, that you should not be fearful of not getting a job, of being treated differently, um, of having uh, someone, um, you know, uh, I think really what it comes down to is treated differently because of, of, of who you are. And um, I, so that's been sort of my journey over the past three years. But I think when, it, it, and then that kind of comes back to our conversation about coming back in the room. You know, yeah. I take, I take immunosuppressive medicine and I got the vaccine. I'm fully vaccinated. That being said, I do not know if I am, if I have antibodies at all or um, if I am less protected than others. And I know that there are actors out there that feel the same way. 
And there might be fear moving forward to turning back to business as usual. And I don't think we should. I don't think we should go back to business as usual because there are huge accessibility issues with how we were going about business as usual, not just for disabled people, but for for um, you know, people of dis- different races, for people of different genders. There are major, major accessibility issues that walking into a room of people who do not share your experience, there's fear there. And I think that by sharing my own experience, I'm hoping that if someone has a fear of being themselves for whatever that themselves may be, that by sharing this sort of experience with, you know, me at not at my best is, you know, when I'm when I'm going through a flare up, I'm not at my best, that that could be helpful for an actor when they're coming in for me and they're not at their best or when they're coming in and they feel vulnerable or afraid or like um, I don't understand them because I, I don't understand everybody. So that's what that's what talking about being more open about this, you know, uh, this arthritis has been for me and, and also just it, getting really involved in that community and um, and um, doing some work for the Arthritis Foundation. And there are, it, it's uh, the number one cause of disability in America and disability affects so many people. I mean, most people experience some kind of disability at some point in their life, whether it's a temporary because they had an accident or just with age. You know, you start using mobility aids, you use a walker, you use a cane, you use a wheelchair. And it's something that that sort of accessibility, that sort of um, comfort with autoimmune disease, chronic illness, um, uh uh, neurological disorders, whatever it might be, there needs to be comfort there. And I think that just by being one of a couple people in this casting business with um, with a disability or or, um, or chronic illness, I think it's important for me to talk about that. And I'm stop talking because that was long. <laughs> wow. No, that's so great. Thank you so much for answering that so transparently and with so much vulnerability. You know, going back to the beginning of the episode, it's so important to normalize these conversations and you sharing your experience is so appreciated and you don't even know the impact that it could have on somebody or many, many people and the ripple effect that it could have. So thank you. Thank you. Your experience is so appreciated and we really appreciate your honesty. You're most welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Echoing that. Thank you for, on all our episodes, we have these moments of what Alyssa and I call real talk. And I feel like that was such, yeah, real talk. Really, thank you for, for your honesty and openness, talking about your experiences. Wow. Thank you. I'm sorry. I went on to like, uh, I went on to a spiel. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like there was something else I was going to say. And now this is Sunday morning for me. My brain, my brain went away for a moment. <laughs> It'll come back. Um, 
Yeah, maybe it was something to do with, yeah, this, again, this kind of relief that, yeah, maybe we don't, we do need to reconsider before we do open doors again and, and be in person again. I think, yeah, taking into consideration so many changes that need to happen first and conversations that are by no means easy conversations, but I'm sure your office, other offices at this point are, are having similar conversations. Like, what do we do to not go back to how things were before? Now that we're coming out of this time of a greater kind of racial reckoning, um, reckoning of just this past year and how difficult it's been. And so, yeah, it's, I guess I'm feeling, I'm feeling somewhat hopeful that things will be, will be different when we're back in person, that there will be more maybe comfort and maybe vulnerability as well. Just the emotion of seeing somebody in person, I'm sure in your office again, is going to be somebody that you've seen for years and then haven't seen in person for a year. Like, oh my gosh, all the feelings. Yeah, definitely. I think that will be really, I mean, even just you know, I, I was walking through the park and I realized there was a, a, a woman who was several yards in front of me that I, I recognized her. She's an actor that I auditioned and I was going to call out to her, but there was just so many people. I was like, this will be chaos. But even just seeing like someone that was outside of my regular circle was really nice. I was like, oh, wow, that's just that's an actor who I'd see in the room if we were if we were back. And um, just I was like, oh, that's, that's a nice feeling. There's there will be returning to um, I think some, some, some old relationships and then of course being able to forge new relationships again in the room as well. Totally. Totally. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It was so great getting to hear your story and getting to know you more uh, through a computer screen. It's, it's really wonderful to to, as Alyssa said, hear your passion for what you do and your generosity working with actors, really, I feel like above and beyond um, to help actors to, to really do their best. So thank you for all the work that you, that you do and for sharing, sharing that with us. Thank you both for having me. It was so fun and really, really thoughtful conversation. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. We always love hearing from you. You can email us at positivecreativitypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at positivecreativitypodcast. And for more info on our guest today, please view the show notes. Join us next time on Positive Creativity Podcast.